Broadcasting Network. Okay, so we're welcome our podcasters. 
as we begin our new season with the theme of um, a descent into the interior of our life. I'm called the descent into soul, but you can call it other things. Oh, a um, enlightenment, um, uh, the absolute, something where we're going further than our daily, everyday, ordinary mind. So, interior life is what we're getting set on our trip for. Um, and uh, a way to understand that um, what, what we're trying to distinguish between between our the two natures. One nature is um, a nature that uh, changes all the time, starts from infancy all the way up, keeps changing, body changes, Mindsets change, gets gets further, then starts coming down, gets older, and gets in around my age bracket, and uh, deterioration begins to get further and further. So it's very changeable. The thing about this other part of us, the other nature, is that it doesn't change. It's on a different level, and um, and that part, as we go along, we're going to distinguish between those two parts. Um, so, anyway, before we embark on our, our from our center, our um, base camp with Ray and I, and you can follow along if you'd like to join us in this little journey that we're going to be on. Well, the first thing we need to do is, uh, is um, first see what kind of state are we in as we begin the journey. So that check we're going to do now. So before we start... Um, we're going to check into the state of our being, mind, body, and feelings. So let, let me give a little guide of this in preparation for this. Um, it'd be like if we're leaving base camp, uh, we, got, we really want to make sure our shoes are tied, we got the right uh, clothes on, that we bring a snack for lunch. It's like preparation. So that's what this part is, preparation. So we first start with posture, and that always helps to get the attention more more focused. If you're slouching or bending or um, daydream is probably where we begin, you'll go more into daydreaming. So posture we check. We check breath. And from breath we go to the sensation of our, our body, and we check into our thoughts. So what we're trying to do now as we prepare for this trip, we're trying to have an alignment of head, feelings, and body. So we're looking about how, how am I aligned as I head out to go on this trip? So Ray and I are seeing my feet are on the floor my back is straight. Um, I think I need then to begin to see um, things that I lean on and want to go back to and not follow this. Uh, natural for me more to cross my legs or more to slouch forward. Um, those, are, those things I lean on more. Um, I need to be still 
And mostly in my life, I'm fidgety. And I'm moving around, looking in all directions. My attention's being taken by everything. Uh, so we're going for a, f- a feeling of collectedness. Alignment, collect. I feel collected. I need an attention, this attention to be free. Nothing is possible unless I begin to start from here um, to get to eventually a sense of tranquility. Intention states and anxious states, very hard for anything to penetrate into us. We're pretty closed in those states. So doing, we're doing all we can to open. Remember that sense of tranquility. And also for you podcasters, we remind you, you could use this in, in a waiting in the dentist's office for, or medical procedures or um, any time or sleep at bedtime. You could really begin to calm yourself and um, touch that little tranquility could be helpful in going to sleep as well. So we're in a funny place. We have two worlds. We live in two worlds of different levels at the same time. So these two natures are, are in two, two different worlds, almost two different laws they're under, um, but in this one life. So we have the potential of these two natures to link, to be a bridge between them. But before we could serve that link, we need to wake up from the sleep we're in. So here we are trying to link these two natures, but we can't do it in a state of sleep. We are total slaves of our functional uh, first nature life. So that'll give you a little idea of what I mean by these, these natures. Now, yet, in the center of all of this activity of functional life, there's another part which I'm going to call awareness. So here's functional life and all the roles we play, the different voices we have. Um, This this awareness of, of being is utterly impersonal. It has no agenda. It doesn't favor any particular personality. It's like more of a pure awareness of I am. So let's see if you could feel that for a moment. So here's functional life. I'm saying that we're the slave of that life. Um, We have tremendous obedience to that life. And then there's this idea of awareness. Smack dab in the middle of all of this is this awareness. It would be like in a, um, what do they have in the Midwest? Not typhoons, are they tornadoes? Yeah. It's like in the middle of tornadoes, (coughs) the tornado of our personality when all its changes, changing all the time, anything that comes by and shocks it and seduces it, it it goes in those directions. But right in the middle is this peaceful, um, quiet, in the middle of this um, storm is something quiet, 
So that we're going to be calling an awareness and for us to begin to feel that. So our podcasters, if you're sitting um, at your computer, for a moment, touch this awareness. It's right there. It has no agenda. It's impersonal. It doesn't favor any of these other subpersonalities. And then we have a watchfulness that can watch the functions, but still be in touch with the awareness. So to go from where we are now, pretty much locked into the slavery of nature, number one, to advance in any way, um, it's going to call for some struggle. Now, and, and, and with this, I'm going to add a new one, a new tool. So we have the, the tools of the mindfulness. We kind of know them if you've been listening to us. Uh, the, the meditation and mindfulness and right speech. And we added a bowing last week. I wonder if anybody tried it. The bowing in the Buddhist world is a very serious practice. Uh, the bow represents a respect to what's in front of you. Um, and if in the beginning of bowing, you can do it inwardly, more like in your mind, um, and then eventually actually put your hands together and um, about chin level and bow to um, a person or something in front of you as a way of showing respect and a way of turning a little away from this um, me, 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 me. We're trying to get a little respite from that me. And we've been on a Buddhist path with that. But you know, also, let me say, in Christianity there's um, something that's similar to this. Uh, Jesus said that uh, um, if you want to follow me, you have to first um, give up that self. Forget the word he used right there. Um, I wish I could remember. I, I, my memory is not great anymore. But anyway, the idea of you need to, that self, uh, that self that's in that slavery, um, you need to begin to decrease that and change that and then pick up your cross and follow me. Now, the cross is the idea of this new thing I want to introduce, which is intentional suffering. So if you take the athletes, for example, they're really, they're doing intentional suffering by, by um, the work they're put in to reach that level of playing or running or lifting. They're doing all kinds of things. Uh, no pain, no gain. I remember, I remember one of the Clippers saying that um, he comes an hour before the training and he shoots 300 
um, threes. He does that every time before a game and in a practice session. He comes early and works on the three-pointers. It's something like that. Something really... So it's in athletics, it's in everything. And there's a kind of... And I'm calling that... It's an old ancient way of saying it. But intentional suffering. And the main one being... um, I always try to remember what that is, but I never do. To endure the negativity... negative manifestations of other people. The biggest one of all. To endure the negative manifestations of other people. Think of that. Think of how quickly we're irritated and annoyed and pay other people back and so forth. This is different. I was just going to yell at you, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> right. So, Ray, that that term for you, to endure the negative manifestations of others, does it have any ring to you? Yeah, well, you, first you got to let it in, you know, and then, um, but it's so easy to be reactionary to, toward mm. it, you know, so you can get on your your horse right away. And I think of how many conversations and fights I've had via, you know, the functional life versus not really participating in that and letting it in. It's kind of painful, though, to let it in, you know? Yeah. What but I think one? that's a, the intent of it. Yeah. But I know the other way, like, let's say if you're more caught up in the defense of yourself or whatever you're doing, that that's just a a cycle that just brings you round and round again. You know, I know that other way pretty well. Yeah, versus, so do I. Versus the, um, you know, really, to otherwise than just to let it in and, and let it do its thing and not really participate mm-hmm. in that. That's kind of a big deal. That's a real big one. By the way, somebody bowed to me last week. Twice. Yeah. Really? Yep. What was the occasion? None. I was at my suppliers and um, this one guy, his name is Mac, and I never noticed it before until last, until this, you know, week. But when he sees me, he puts his hands together and he goes, hello, Ray. And then I was watching him and um, he doesn't do it to other people. He just did it to me. And and then I was checking myself and I was going like, what's, what, what is that about? Like for him or whatever. I didn't get into it with him at all, Mm -hmm. but I was just observing and um, so in my mind, I bowed to him, too. I didn't actually do the, mm-hmm. the physical thing, but I, I, put, I did, you know, put my chin down. But it was an oh, interesting thing to, yeah. to see. It was an interesting thing to feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's quite something. Ray got bowed? Someone bowed to him. And just the very thing we were talking about, never expect to... I didn't, I never, I, I don't think I ever um, sensed it before. You know, but he's done it before. I know he's done it before. Mm-hmm. But then at that moment, it had a whole different in- intention, you know? It had a whole different flavor to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was a bigger deal than I had before. It was just a gesture, you know, like many others. But it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, it really put me in a different spot. Wow. 
So we got a little shocker. Ray had someone bow to him, who's on, who's who's evidently in some kind of journey himself. Um, I actually was thinking about bowing to you when I saw you on Saturday, but then I thought it might be contrived, and you might hit me on it. Oh, I don't think I would. I mean, um. Anyway, so we've added that, and now we've added this one. So now we got a little arsenal of things to work on. Can you give another example of um, of intentional suffering besides, like, to in- endure negative manifestations of yeah. others? I mean, the intentional uh, unto oneself, you know? Okay. Um, first place, the one, one, the big one is the man to endure the manif- negative manifestation of others. That's the that's one of the biggest. But there's some there's some work, some training up to that. Uh, so you're able to do that. It's, that's nothing we can do right away because we're totally caught under this uh, reactivity. So as soon as a button's pushed, as soon as we hear a word, we go right into a certain reaction. So it's going to take a time. But Ray asked about, about levels of it. Yeah, for example, right now, even this moment, um, there's some... And some some um, feeling of intentional suffering through not not slouching, not crossing legs, um, not um, moving as much. All that containment is due to also a form of um, intentional suffering. See, we're going to suffer anyway in our life but most of that suffering is automatic suffering. It just just happens. This is bringing some intention. This is bringing an aim, something conscious. Remember in the human line of evolution, um, evolution is moving on, and, and in our way, our own individual part of the evolution can't be unconscious because we're already caught in a lot of automatic unconscious stuff. So we're going to bring, the hope is that we can bring to our own individual evolution and add something to more cosmic evolution is our um, intention, our attempt at, um, even though we're uncomfortable, though it may bring friction. So there's a lot of little ways. But another part that's very important is to keep making aims. So that that's an alarm clock, an aim, an aim to the next thing. Let me, this is a little long, so I have to figure how I, um, there's a documentary out that's very interesting about an Englishman, I think he is, who, um, who in, in the Romanian uh, mountains, um, one day, I think it was going to take a five or six day trek. I'm not sure what I didn't see the beginning of it. Um, and he had a cab driver drive him uh, to a certain place and some arrangements to pick him up in five days. And he was going to do this trek. So he had a, some certain preparation for it. And he wanted to kind of see what, what it would be like to be alone through all of this and see what parts would come up. See, there's parts of us, almost I'm saying secret parts, parts unlived, 
parts we don't even know about that live in the shadow of our being that won't come unless we put them under certain kinds of conditions. It won't happen unless you're under those conditions. That's what's done in the Zen monastery. The, the trainees or the initiates are put under conditions to see if they um, test uh, their nature under those conditions. So off he went. And the cab driver left. And he went, on, he went into this, barren, this land of mountains and snow. And see, but what did he expect to happen immediately? And that's the other thing. When we're making these journeys, we don't know what's coming. There's shocks coming. An avalanche, small avalanche came while he was climbing and it rolled him down the hill and so on. He uh, was a little buried, but enough that he could get out of the burial. But he was also severely injured. His leg was quite broken and other injuries and um, he could not walk. To get back to this cab that was going to meet him, he would have to have a, maybe by this time he was a couple of days out, he would need a couple of days of walking to get back. Uh, but now he can't walk at all. He has to drag along the ground. So what, have taken, what, what might have taken him two or three days would now take six days because he couldn't walk. But, you know, along the way, and his now realizing, you know, his chances of life is not great at this point. He's in the middle of nowhere. And there's snow and snowstorm and 20 below zero. His chances for life were not good. But he did set up a set of aims, something he knew almost instinctively that he had to do for some hope. So he looked down and say, that tree that's such and such far away, I'm going to say six hours to get to that tree crawling in great pain. Um, oh, this is a little, I have to see, I can cut this short. And then he would get that and he'd make another one, another aim to see if he could hold up. And when he got to the first aim, he felt a little hope, a little better. He had something to work with. Anyway, in about the third or fourth aim was a little uh, brook and he was absolutely dehydrated, uh, hasn't eaten now, he really doesn't. He's really not sure he's going to make this one. Um, but as now his next aim was to get to that brook and get to that water, because he almost had no energy left. And the in the snow worked the opposite of eating snow. Um, and I think he knew that before. That's part of his preparation for the trip. So he had this aim to get to this water, so he would be able to have a little strength, and he did. But when he got to the water. And a certain amount, now I think he's out about two days, two days of crawl, two or three days, of, and he's very weak now. But he can't, he's on a little slope, and um, it's not an even bed to the, to the, the, it was a little, what do you call those? Decline. Yeah, like a little incline. Remember, he has his leg, it's, he's just dragging himself. But he worked out something, some little improvisation with a cup or something where he was able to, um, send it down on a little string. Tremendous improvisation where he began to get some water. And now he was really feeling the difference when water was in him, he got refreshed. But now he had to cross this river, like our two natures. He had to really realize, how could I get across? Um, and he had his clothes on. He realized that he had to take his clothes 
particularly the top part of his clothes, the warm part that he had, that he had to try to keep them from getting really wet. Um, and how he was going to drag his leg in this brook. So he tried that. He had his clothes and he held them up in the air and he crossed them step by step. Um, but there was a little current and it would knock him to the side and he was always trying to hold up this uh, the clothes he had. Uh, it was an arduous task. But he finally reached the other side. This goal, this aim was reached and he felt Again, a little surge of energy of having reached his aim. And he put his clothes back on again. And then he went back into his um, trying to reach his next aim, the only hope he had. But he also realized then that maybe if I could find something to lean on, like a crutch or some, you know, uh, some wood that I could have a, um, I could walk, I would, I would hop with one, so he did. He found that. He improvised it. And now he could stand up and begin to hop and get back on his aim. And this, is, this just takes my, taking a little too long, maybe, um, to do this. But anyway, he kept doing this. And he finally reached the road. Six days of no food, dragging, finally beginning to uh, hop, but no strength in him. And... Um, all kinds of things. Were, oh, yeah, and one thing along the way is the animals. There are wolves and bears there. And one night, remember, he had these nights, five, about five nights. And he heard, or he heard particularly a pack of wolves that were close by. And he got over to this tree and cuddled under, under the bark of this tree. And he began to hallucinate because they were getting closer and they were surrounding him. And he thought, wow, what a way to die to be eaten alive by these wolves. And he had all kinds of hallucinations about that. Um, he couldn't sleep that night. Anyway, on and on. But he was finding out these things about himself, about a, the will to live, and the preparation that he paid, really paid off for this trip. Anyway, I'm, I'm afraid it's a little long. But... You're you're seeing it. This that's well, something. Well, what happened? Oh, that's for another time. <laughs> you can't do that. About June or July before I get into that. Endure the suffering. <laughs> um, he got to the road. Uh, now it's pretty much covered with snow, but this is where he was going to meet that taxi driver. But he was almost not. He was almost dead, and he knew that if he fell asleep on that road, he would die. He could never wake up in the state he was in. And he looked over and there was, uh, and he had to choose which way. He was disoriented. It was which, which way was even towards town. So he just didn't know. He just went one direction, but stayed on a snow-covered road. There was a barn there. And he stopped there for a while, but there weren't any people. Uh, so he had to get back again. There were it was down, and after, um, I think that next night, he saw a house. So anyway, then that, he went to the house. And anyway, and the, but the things, it took him two and a half years of hospitalization to put him together again. Uh, but he did get normal. But he said on that trip, the things he learned inwardly in his life was unbelievable. His life changed. He went to a whole other direction in his life. He really 
so they really learned about quietness and stillness and survival and hallucinations and all the things we come up against when the things get difficult in our life. Sounds like Jesus in the desert. Well, yeah. Oh, okay, Moses also and others. Now, that's a good point you're making, Bray. They went through difficult where they hardly go on. and So we're going to have to be taxed in this. We're going to have to struggle this thing we're calling intentional. It's kind of, it has to be self-inflicted too, doesn't it? Well, we have to intend to do it. Now, the natural suffering will come, uh, and we'll work with that. You, you mean know. like the functional suffering? Yeah, yeah. The suffering of disappointments, relationships that break up, jobs that are lost, people treating us certain ways, the different shocks, losing loved ones, death of a parent and all of that. This is our own natural. Um, and we'd have to work with that. We'd have to put an intention into the suffering that we're naturally naturally doing. So podcasters, I hope that wasn't too long of a story for you. Um, but Now um, they don't have to do it. Now the, <laughs> yeah, they don't have to take the I trip. think, by the way, I think you coined that phrase too, the podcasters. Yeah, how do you say what? What do you refer to those people out there? What can we call them? I call them. I I've followed suit. You call them podcasters. I, I call them podcasters. I'm sure that's not their name, but <laughs> I, I I like I like what you're doing with it. What do we call it? people who listen to to uh, pod- podcasts? What do they? What can we call them? Listeners. Listeners. <laughs> God oh. damn. <laughs> I like podcasters way better. Okay. Anyway, Brian helped us out with that one. Listeners to hmm. it. We'll call it <laughs> podcasters. You know, we would have been sitting here another 10 minutes and we would have figured out listeners. <laughs> we really wouldn't have. See, that's an interesting thing. So between the two of us <laughs> and the, our stuff, we wouldn't have come to that simple word that Brian said he had... He was the third, and he added another level to it. It's interesting how that works. Just that word, even that little simple thing, like we didn't have the word, and a word was supplied that we both went, now, both how we both, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the feeling when you hear it. There's a relief. Oh, yeah. Um, a relief in all of that. So all of this, all these tools now, about the journey. And in that thicket, when we move down, first we're prepared, we make sure that we're, we know our state, in a state of preparation to move out. And, um, and in the thicket somewhere, there's parts of ourselves, just like this fellow found on that trip. Uh, we don't know what's in us until we would be exposed to different kinds of conditioning. You can think in your life, Ray, did you, were you ever in a place where, I don't mean, you know, taking any tricks or something, but it called on something in you. When I was a kid, when I was um, 
six, I got lost in the Black Forest in Bavaria. All right. Yeah, that scared the shit out of me. Wow. I got lost there, and then um, and if you look around, like if you're in the middle of the forest, everything looks the same, and you have no sense of direction. Right. You don't know where you are, and you look up, and it's blue sky, or what you can see through the trees. But I remember being panic-ridden at first, and not really knowing what, but not running around or anything, just mm-hmm. heart flurry, all that kind of thing. And then I go, all right, I gotta be, I gotta be really still. I got to figure this out. And I was a kid. I was a little kid. Yeah, yeah. So I go, I got to be super, super still. And then um, I heard the soccer match, like in mm. the distance. Ah. And that's how I found my way out. Mm-hmm. I just followed the, I followed the noise and then just kept going. And then pretty soon, you know, boom, clearing. And then just absolute relief. I've never been happier to see my father. Wow. And if you knew the relationship with my father, you'd understand a great relief, God. Yeah, when I found that clearing, and you, know, you could, could see the sun breaking through, and then you could see grass. You saw the lawn. You saw the spectators mm, and everything, and you f- go, wow. I made it. What a feeling. That, but when you're little and lost, that's super woo, weird. Yeah. So, I got lost coming, I went walking to school, too, once. Mm. Here, though, not yeah, in Germany. That's, that's scary. So for our podcasters out there, think of, Someone in your some time in your life when you were really put to it that you had to use all the resources of um to get through it. And even even could let us know. You can write us in or however the tweeter tweeter us in and Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. Um could let us know that. I think that for me as we're getting ready to um go to our last part. I think that ride in the prison was the most um, of mine, uh, the most I've ever experienced of being in a situation where um, the fear of it and, uh, and and that it was a dangerous situation and I had to use something inside myself, a resource <laughs> that I called on to see if I could maintain in the middle of that war. And you're never more awake than at those times. Yeah. Though. That's the irony of it, or that's that's just the truth of it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's resources in us, and those resources, as far as making that link of these two natures and going out to um, into different kinds of practices and so forth, what it would take to be more conscious, is going to take it's going to tap our resources to keep going no matter what's happening. Okay, let me set up our ending now. Hey, Jim, um, I got to tell you, I think, yeah, I, go think ahead. I think you're on your own with the, um, I'm little, if you can't tell, I'm a little sick. Okay. Uh, in fact, I, I am. Um, uh, I'll, I will help out, though, let if me, you need yeah, me. Uh, okay, let me, let me conclude the audience, a little, our listeners on this one a little bit. Um, Podcasters. Podcasters. And what you're going to hear on this is probably the best. I'm going to try to do fours. I mean, it's four bars apiece and answer. Probably one of the best um, scatters uh, maybe around because he's written the kind of book on it. He's uh, got seminars on it. Dennis DiPalacio, his name is. Um, 
So I'm going to try to work with Dennis and try to repeat back what he does and go the direction he goes in. Remember, he's one of the best around, and maybe I'm second best now, but I am, I'm going to try to stay up with the best. Okay, here we go. He's starting very easy. <laughs> That was the best scatter in the world. And Is he where like a French I? black guy? Hmm? Is he like a French black guy? No, I think he's Italian. That's, really? Yeah. Okay, so we want to say goodbye to our podcasters. Um, look By the way, you both were awesome. <laughs> right. He's the best, but it was, I was, I was fun to try to stay up with him. Okay, so we'll see you next week. Bye. Good job, Jim. You're listening 
Voice Broadcasting Network.